You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I am your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, hey, everybody. How you doing? All right. And Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. On the show today, we'll see a bit of redemption in the eNASCAR Coke Series race at New Hampshire. We'll discuss a video talking about iRacing's problem and talk about a bombshell forum post from Greg Hill. Then we'll show you one of the closest finishes ever in a major iRacing event. That's right. And you can see all of these cool topics and hardware and software by clicking and going on iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. And we'll see you then. Let's talk Coke racing. It was New Hampshire, and after the crazy finish the uh, two weeks prior, where uh, Garrett Lowe got roughed up and knocked to the wall for the win, and he lost the he lost the win, and his chance to get into the playoffs, he gets redemption, and he wins at New Hampshire. Kind of a neat uh, storyline and script. Uh, I guess you couldn't even write it more better uh, than that. Yeah, uh, that's. I mean, you felt so bad for the guy last week. I did because I didn't think it was a good racing move um, for um, for him to lose that race. So I felt terrible for him, uh, be it, knowing how important that win would have been for his chances to make the playoffs. But um, yeah, having him come back this week and win is just—it's actually kind of hard to believe that that uh, that it's almost poetic how how that uh, how he was able to redeem himself the very next week. And it turned out to be. Typical New Hampshire, like, much like we saw in NIS, cautions breed cautions, and, and lots of uh, wrecking, as they call it. You know? Yeah, that final restart, he uh, t- obviously took the lead there and kept the lead. He had a good uh, margin by the end of the second lap on that restart, so good win for him. Looks like a Dale Earnhardt throwback or a Dale Earnhardt-inspired scheme he's got there. Yeah, pretty, pretty neat win uh, for Garrett Lowe. And uh, yeah, he's in the playoff. All right, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there as a question. So you know, obviously after last week, he was he was uh, pretty much said that uh, payback was in order without saying exactly he was gonna wreck somebody. So after this win, is 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 that retribution off the table now, or is he still still owed a little favor? I think uh, it's a little bit different now because. As long as Garrett is in the running for the playoff, I think he's going to keep his cool because, you know, he wants to play that out as long as he can and try to make it to the final four. So if he if he's cut early in the playoffs, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Winning kind of cures cures some things, lets, makes you get over some things quicker, but who knows if he's in a situation with a particular driver who he owes the payback to. Um, but, yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, I agree with Mike. I think you play it square until the point where you're out 
especially if he's in, then 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 it's time time to bring out the old retribution card. And you don't have to wipe out or do anything that would be you know really intentional. I mean, Danny Hamlin this week he didn't wipe Kyle Larson out to get the win at Pocono, but he just made it made it, put him in a position where he couldn't win. So you know, there's ways doing it without being overly um, obvious that you're that you're paying someone back. Um, I also want to mention the Coke race pre-race was interesting. They interviewed the Joe Gibbs racing drivers, as well as the guy uh, affectionately uh, named Boris, who works for Joe Gibbs racing. He's actually the chief digital offer operator, excuse me, chief digital officer, I guess is the name. One of those three letter titles, but uh, he kind of explained his start in in Joe Gibbs racing as a social media guy. And now he runs a team of people. Um, And he explained how, you know, the iRacing drivers are just as important to Joe Gibbs racing as the, uh, as the regular drivers. When, you know, when Denny Hamlin gets his win, his 50th win, they're going to hang a banner up in the shop. But guess what? When Bobby Zielinski gets a win, they hang a banner up for him too. Just the same. Uh, they consider it, you know, all the same. And so uh, they're very uh, happy with iRacing. They're, they're, they're happy to be part of the original uh, teams that joined into the Coke series. And uh, it was a really neat interview. Yeah, I like that. I like that they would hang a, a banner for a JGR driver in Sim as well. Just like you said, just shows cohesiveness and that they are part of the team regardless of uh, – you know, the level in which they compete at, but uh, still cool. Cool to see. Yeah. He also mentioned that um, they, they tasked Bobby Zielinski to help them uh, help the real drivers uh, with Chicago, as far as driving lines and where can they find speed and that kind of stuff. So uh, we heard that on another team, uh, I think 2311 as well, but uh, yeah, that seems to be more prevalent where, these real NASCAR teams are leaning on their sim car drivers, their sim racers, uh, you know, for real help, you know, for these races. Yeah, you're right. That's um, Keegan Leahy, who's in the 2311 team. That's pretty cool. And, um, and if you and if you want somebody from the virtual world who can who can run these uh, street and road courses, uh, it, it's hard to think of anybody better than Bobby Zielinski. Yeah. And so he was able to help out they're real world drivers uh, going into that race uh, with some, you know, pointers and tips. I wonder what the cost comparison is if for a Bobby Zelensky or a Keegan Leahy for uh, like a Trevor Bain, who I think is, is that a Trevor Bain? I believe it's Trevor Bain who uh, is a development driving coach for Ford. Now you're paying, that's a professional driver who has had a career. I wonder what, um, what kind of money Zelensky and Leahy make off this if, if uh, Toyota's making out pretty big, because their their labor, I would assume, comes cheap throughout time. Maybe over time, it, it increases with um, the popularity of using these sim drivers as uh, driving coaches. Yeah, pennies on the dollar, I bet. Yeah, it you know, like I think Denny talked about it as far as hiring on Keegan Lee. It's money well spent. It's easy to 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 justify the spin. And and they're probably not spending a ton of money either in, in relationship to, you know, real NASCAR, um, um, the investments that you put in stuff in NASCAR, that's probably nothing. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to 
Sam comparing the two realms. Like I'm not comparing a Zelensky to a, a Trevor Bain, but he probably deals with a lot more aspects of the whole weekend as a, as a whole. But just curious on what the cost difference between the two would be. All right, last... we have big news. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to mention one last thing about this race. Um, uh, Mike, you, you mentioned it um, that you know there's a quite a bit of cautions in it, and I think that's going to tie in nicely with one of the one of the uh, topics that we're going to discuss a little later that we teased in the opener. So um, I just wanted to keep that in mind, everybody, as we move forward. All right. And the big news this week was NASCAR, a video game announcement. The Daily Downforce tweeted that NASCAR has a big video game announcement coming soon. What are you hoping to hear? And uh, the Sports Business Journal picked up on this. This is where we first saw it. There's also a forum post about it as well. Yeah, so this is an announcement about a potential announcement, but um, I don't know. I don't know what else could be different. I don't know what the what this will lead to motorsports games and what could be announced on that side. But um, there's something interesting in the July 2023 development update we're going to talk about later, and I'm curious how that potentially could tie into this. Yeah, you're talking about a uh, championship uh, mode or something like that, and so. Yeah, I mean, so this this article basically says how NASCAR is all in with, you know, esports and gaming and that kind of stuff and they got this partnership with Rocket League and Roblox, 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 I don't know how to say. It. Um but the very last sentence of the entire article says this. There also is a new mobile game soon, as well as a substantial announcement for the console space. You know, looking at the the picture they used for this article, I mean, it could be a more of an arcade style game like they had in the past. Um, in the 2000s, they've had a couple um, not so serious NASCAR games. So I'm curious if because are those ducks and is that a dolphin on the podium? <laughs> yeah, I can't tell. Thanks. But I so it could know. be, we could be uh, setting ourselves up for a huge announcement on a, you know, elementary level <laughs> NASCAR console game, and the motorsports games thing is just still is what it is. Well, I think that's what you have to read into this. When you read that sentence I just said, there's no way that motorsports games is still in the picture in that sentence that I think. I think NASCAR would be foolish to say, oh, we got big, you know, changes or big announcement, this and that. And then they're still in bed with the, the motorsports games. So when you look at the forum post about this, a lot of people are saying this means motorsports games is out, that iRacing has found it out in the contract and that they're going to pick somebody else to build the game. Now, with that being said, a, a lot of iRacing fanboys are saying, iRacing or and or Monster Games, which is part of iRacing, is going to be the one that gets picked. Uh, why? Because of the relationship between NASCAR and iRacing. Why? Because, as Donnie stated, they're just just said out loud that they're working on a uh, championship mode. Here, I'll, I'll quote it. I know we're going to get to it later, but it's the last paragraph of that update, and um, or the second to last. But it says, expect deep new sim systems and ways to engage with the product with an initial focus on realistic and engaging career mode 
that is being built true to the authentic nature of iRacing or of what iRacing and real world racing is all about. So we'll see what that means. I'm actually excited for that to see. Maybe we get our trophy room. Maybe we get our victory lane. Who knows? Look, everything has been lining up for this for some time. The the purchase of Monster Games and the other studios, the uh, huge increase in staff that we'll talk about later. Um, the World of Outlaws console game for Xbox and PS. So, Mike, All, I, you know, I, which is very successful. I hope you're it's going down your line of thinking. I hope you're right. This picture that they have in the article is a little makes me think the other direction. But if you're right, Mike, and it's going down that avenue, then I only assume IndyCar's next. Now, here's the thing, though, on your your comment, I think that the esports or the sports business journal is the original author of this and that maybe the daily downforce.com picked up on this and they use their own artwork but you know i'd have to defer to the sports business journal and they don't have any that they don't have that picture so but i don't all right you're yeah you're right and so yeah will iRacing slash monster be picked you know with for nascar to finally develop a game and get a, a game out for the console users? I hope so. I, you know, I we've talked about this before. Would that hurt iRacing? Uh, subscriptions or, you know, how many people are racing? I don't think so. I think, if anything, it's going to draw more people into iRacing. They get a taste of it with the console, and they're like, man, this is freaking cool. And now let's go race with the big boys. Let's go get iRacing. Well, yeah, I mean... Uh- NASCAR desperately needs a fresh breath of air in the console game, whether it be, you know, something that's similar to iRacing or, or something that's more, um, airs more on the side of, of kid game type of thing. Either way, th- their, their footprint right now in consoles is almost non-existent, especially since um, the, the not supporting a multiplayer in the, in the monster game anymore. It's, it's just there's nothing there. And and NASCAR's gotta get gotta get into that game somehow. They need they have to get in there. They're m- missing out on way too much, you know, young young people getting into their sport. They're missing out on you know possible revenue source. They're just missing out on a lot when they're not there. Yeah, and potential fans. A lot of fans are created from these games, so they need to get on it, man. They need to get something going. Now, the other thing I want to point out. Up in this article, further up too, they really talk up iRacing, even though the, you know they don't say out loud what we're hoping to hear. I'll, I'll read a couple uh, sentences here. NASCAR is close to 14 years into its dedicated gaming and esports activations, which started around iRacing, and those efforts are now paying dividends for the sanctioning body. NASCAR has cast a wide net as part of its strategy, which has evolved over time with a, from a pure licensing play to a multi-pronged effort across various demographics. While NASCAR continues a natural involvement with iRacing, it has crossed over into esports through other games and organizations while also pushing its gaming efforts into Roblox. Roblox is really Roblox is getting really big for young kids. Both my young uh, my kids play Roblox a lot, and they're and they're young. And Roblox is like a sandbox box type of thing where you know you can make a lot of different types of games with it. And if if NASCAR gets into something like that, that's something young kids will will see and 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 possibly get into. Yeah, 
no problem with that. That's that's great. The more the merrier. But yeah, I hope the console game thing works out. All right, Donnie, how about Spinorama? Either I got Deja Vu or we've seen this one before. Um, I think it is an but, old EBIG. But it's an LMP car, some type of prototype. Gets loose off of turn four, Talladega Daytona. And just starts spinning. And he spins all the way down the backstretch, through the backstretch, uh, grass all the way down. This is Daytona. All the way down into the entrance of turn three, where some other uh, driver is kind of pushing him along towards the end, and then he shoots up into the atmosphere. So he spins like a top. He spins like a, you know, a, a fidget spinner. And uh, just continues along the entire backstretch of Daytona. And the spinning never slows down. If anything, it picks up speed. And there's there's other cars around trying to uh, make contact with it. It's, it's kind of funny because they're just cruising along at you know 20 miles an hour trying to run into the car that's spinning. Um, and one of them finally makes contact, and that's when the thing just goes from spinning on the ground like a top to getting launched clear in the sky and then <laughs> finally lands in the stands or something. And that's when the video finally ended. So yep. you're the developer writing code to, for the physics of this stuff. And, and we all know the physics are great. They're very realistic. Almost all the time, everything's real as far as physics. But then you have this outlier. Like, I don't know if, if I told the developer, look, I want you to make a fidget spinner out of this car that spins out of control and nobody can do anything about it. And I wanted to be able to float away. I don't know if he could even write code to even do it like that. Yeah. I don't know anything about writing code, but I'm curious if it has anything to do with the coding of the, the car and the environment. If there was like maybe a little black hole for lack of a better term with the, the track coding, the track uh, mapping and it caught, caught on there and something just went haywire and sent the car going. I'm curious with when it comes to, peripherals with this car at what point does your motion does your all that stuff kind of shut off when the car's just spitting out of control you know and basically forever i don't know but if if the guy in there was in vr he was not feeling well when this was done there's no way because that would have been close your eyes <laughs> that would not been good all right brian how about eye racing at five fly yeah, this comes from a, a tweet from William Byron, you know, a, a NASCAR superstar. Um, and he tweeted that he's going to be racing his late model at five flag, five flag speedways, and it is going to be in iRacing colors. So, um, you know, William Byron is well known to have been a development driver coming from iRacing. And it's pretty cool to see that he's uh, going to be racing the iRacing colors in real world uh, five flags. Yeah, so this this race occurred, I believe, on the 22nd or the 21st. I'm not sure. He won the race, uh, then was DQ'd after a post-race technical inspection. Out. Yeah, when he jumps in a super, is this a super late? Does he specify? But I think he runs supers when he gets in the late models, and he typically wins when he gets in one. So it's cool that he can, uh, you know, do the Kyle Larson thing from time to time, get back in a late model and, and do well. All right, I'll take this one. It's called... The Impossible. It's a YouTube video. Uh, YouTuber Stuffy explores iRacing's impossible achievement called the Alien. The Alien means that you win official races with all cars. You must score championship points to qualify. The award may not be earned while participating in a team event. 
So no hosted events or nothing like that. This is only official races that counts, right? Yeah. And he talks about, he did research on, is there anybody even close to getting this? And from what he can tell, nobody has gotten it. He actually contacted iRacing asking if they knew if anyone got it, and they misunderstood his question, uh, I think. And they just said, oh, an alien? You mean Gregor Hutu, right? Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the guy that ha he thinks is the closest was the guy that we talked about a couple weeks ago who had won, uh, what was it, every every road uh, every road car that's available you want to race in or something that guy uh he had a good portion of the alien but he wasn't uh even close to finishing yeah and, and another thing about the alien achievement it's a it would take a significant um monetary uh, uh investment because i think he counted like a hundred and around 120 different cars you would have to own to do that so i mean that's some big bucks right there and you know and chances are you're just buying it just to try to get that one official win and then move on to the next car so it's it would be something that you'd be trying to do you'd be you need to be good enough to do it and you'd have to be able to invest the, the kind of money to get all of the cars in iRacing you know yeah. so i want i mean does this count would would like each of the three different cup cars You'd have to win in a Chevy, Ford, and a, and a Toyota, or would just one count? You think? No, no. Like they have a. If you go to three fifty eight in the video, he's showing that that guy's stats, and he's got sixty out of one hundred and four. Uh, so he's he's a little more than halfway. And down below, it shows all the cars, and and just as you mentioned next gen Toyota Camry, next gen uh, Chevrolet Camaro, and so forth. Well, I think it would be next to nearly impossible. Um, let's say I wanted to start this today. I'm a new member. I want to start it today. I've got the Volkswagen Jetta TDI mm -hmm. Cup loaded up here. I look for official series, and there's nothing. So, um, and there's not always going to be an official race for each car, I guess, at any given time. Yeah, I, I think we had talked something about this once before where somebody was thinking about doing it, but some of the cars that were on the list that you would have to win in do not have official races in it anymore. So, I mean, that turns it from the nearly impossible to the impossible because if you can't win a you can't win an official race if there's no official races. I, I would guess that this award, the alien is a dynamic amount of cars that you have to win in based on what's available at the moment. Yeah, that would make sense because, I mean, every build, this this has to be adjusted, right? Every build, when they exactly. come, bring in the, the next GT3 car, they're going to have to add that to it. Or they retire a car, right? It goes legacy and it's not being erased right. in official. Yeah, cause, so, so in a I mean, theoretically, you could you could actually get this award by just one of the cars being extinct from one build to the next, and then you get it because you didn't have that you didn't have have a yeah, win in one that left, car, but, right. they, but they pulled it. Yeah, I think it's worded correctly here. iRacing's impossible achievement. Do you guys Maybe, actually uh, look at your achievements? Uh, um, I, I I never look at that. Never. Do you, how about you, Mike? Well, I was just about to go look at my Alien Award and see how many cars <laughs> I've won. So just a minute, and I'll tell 
Yeah, and 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 that's if you do get this award while Mike's looking that up. I mean, you, you got to win in a lot of different types of racing. You got to do dirt oval, dirt road. You're gonna have to, um, you know, do the um, pro trucks. You know, you're gonna have to do all the open wheel roads. You have to do um, the um, GT cars, the LMP cars, the jet car. You know, all the different stock cars and late model late models all the different uh you know the beginner cars you know the kias and the um formula v's it's a lot of different variations of things to win and 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 not only the lot of cars you're gonna have to buy you have to buy a lot of tracks to uh make sure that you're gonna be able to race in some of these series 16 out of 104 <laughs> almost there 16 i had no idea it was that high i I would. That's pretty good. I would never have guessed that. And it shows below it a list of the cars you have yet to win in. And so, uh, you know, it'd be cooler than these awards would be a replica trophy that you can place in a trophy room. That would be awesome. I've heard that somewhere before. Well, speaking of trophies, Donnie, um, we're going to move on to the World of Outlaws Late Models Round Three. Uh, so the um, the Buck Kicker series of World Outlaws. Late Models was at um, Cedar Lake Speedway. It's a three-eighths mile track. Um, and uh, Evan C. won the pole from uh, the first heat and uh, wound up being on the pole of the feature. Um, um, last year, last week's winner, uh, Blake Majulis, actually qualified in fifth. So he started, or sixth. So he started in the second heat and on the outside and actually won his heat. So on the front row was, uh, Evan C and, uh, Blake Majulis side by side, you know, the first two winners of the first two weeks, um, two, two teammates as well. They're both really fast and, and, uh, without saying they're, they're both really good drivers for these late models, um. So uh, when the uh, race started, um, Blake Majulis um, was able to get underneath the Evan C in like the first lap of the feature. Evan actually um, got a little little squirrely going into the first turn and washed up a little bit. Um, Blake Majulis was able to drive underneath him and stayed in front of him the entire race. So um, second week in a row where Blake Majulis takes the win with Evan C right on his tail the whole way. It was really interesting to watch too, because I mean, the cars were like nose to tail for lap after lap after lap, the track kind of, uh, um, and Blake Majulis talked about this in his post-race interview, the track, the, the new dirt, dirt, um, models, um, they, the tracks kind of rubber up quicker than they used to. And when they rubber up, like it, the, it kind of, um, cuts the amount of different lanes that you can drive on to be fast. So the, he was running, Blake ran the same line the entire way. And Blake, or, uh, Evan C, who was right behind him, was just trying to find different ways around it to try to get by him. He just couldn't do it. There, there just wasn't, there wasn't a way that for him to run high and, and make up speed or run low and make up speed. And uh, he just couldn't catch it. But it was a really interesting race to watch. Of course, those two guys were... Um, the teammates and they drove super clean. It was, and, and they just kind of pulled away from the rest of the field just a little bit. So, um, so, uh, wrapping up week three, uh, we see that, uh, Evan C is actually still in the lead, even though he's got one win to, uh, Blake's two wins, but, uh, he had a better, uh, Blake had a worse finish in the first week when Evan won. So we got, um, uh, Evan C was actually a, a seven point lead over Blake Majulis. 
after after week three. Uh, Kendall Tucker's in third, James Eden's in fourth, and Logan Rumsey, who's actually a uh, also a sprint driver in Pennsylvania here in real life, um, is in fifth. Uh, next week they're going to be heading to Port Royal. So uh, Port Royal is actually a, one of the bigger tracks in the dirt series. So they're going to be going from a quarter mile bull ring last week. A little bit bigger three-eighths this week to a, a full-size uh, dirt track at Port Royal. So we'll see how, how uh, these two guys fare on um, on this bigger track, see if some other drivers can, can manage to break up their dominance this, so far this season. Um, so really good racing again in the late model series, and we'll be looking forward to week four, and we'll see you then. All right. Donnie, how about what is iRacing's problem? Well, DJ... DJ EJ, a video posted a video about Irish's problem, which is poor racecraft. Um, this one's always touchy. This one's always seems to go up and down in in my in my eyes because I can have a really great race for several weeks in a row, no issues, and then we have weeks like New Hampshire and unfortunately Pocono. But I've only been doing this for three years. You guys have been on much longer. Um, you guys could probably speak to the COVID spike and what that did, but honestly, man, I'll talk about my experience uh, in a league race later on, but I don't know. It, it's very frustrating at times how poor and it seems like inconsiderate and disrespectful, not only on the track, but via the mic, uh, we're start, not starting to see, but I'm experiencing lately. Oh, yeah. Well, DJ EJ actually throws down some stats in the video here at uh, 2.43, he says the uh, C fixed cautions uh, for New Hampshire from 2022 to 2023. He tracked them over uh, eight hours of those races, and they're up significantly the amount of cautions. The average was 4.5 compared to 2.3 last year. Yeah, I had talked, I remember in the team, somebody mentioning how bad New Hampshire was, and I was like, man, I can't remember it being that bad last year. And I, uh, I might be a weirdo, but I keep notes of all this crap. And I look back at my New Hampshire from last year, and I was like, ah, nothing was crazy. Uh, uh, teammate Stephen Lowe finished second or whatever, and I just had a slow run, but nothing wild. But this year was just seemed like a large Martinsville for whatever reason. So what yeah, is and, it? Um, um, too many people? Well, he talked a little bit about um, about the uh, the splits. He actually was showing that the higher splits now are, are getting a lot more cautions than the, than they used to. Um, it's, it's, he said, it's not uncommon to see these, uh, higher split guys, you know, finish with, uh, six, eight incident points all the time, you know, and their, and their, their typical license on almost all those guys are usually, you know, the A, A499s and, and they're not anymore. Um, and he he specifically mentioned the uh, Coke race last week, where, you know, in his opinion, and I share it, that uh, a guy was just completely wiped out to get the win, um, and that's just bad racecraft in my in my opinion, and that's what DJ EJ is is saying too. Um, these guys are just overly aggressive, uh, you know. They 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 think too, you know, it's win win or nothing, and they're not thinking um, smart about you know, longevity, longer runs, other cars that get involved in your messes, um, all that kind of stuff. And it's, and the problem is it's just making it not fun. Um, 
he's he 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 mentions that um he races arca because you know the cautions there's no ye- no uh, yellow flags in arca so he can get the long, long runs that way that he likes to race uh because there's no cautions so um yeah and, and uh, another thing that he mentioned was you hear a lot of times where uh people are saying well you can't uh, there's always cautions in these this series race a different series it's like well i shouldn't have to change what series i race just because people in that series are not not good race craft drivers you know so a lot, a lot of interesting points he makes i definitely feel his pain uh, you know and we've all been there the question is whether it's you know it's a newer you know getting worse and worse or if it's just always been like this and you just maybe just been in a bad luck spell um, I wish David was here because, you know, David uh, is kind of been talking about his bad luck, and I'd be interested in his opinion whether he's just having bad luck or there's just more problems. Uh, I kind of think that's that he's he would think the latter. Yeah, it's, lately for me, it's not uncommon for me to finish with eight or ten x every race, and I just think I think a lot of that is luck because I usually don't do that, and I just had some bad weeks, but I turned it around a little bit. The SR is going back the right. It's just it just doesn't make sense on on the majority of the incidents in which you could be involved in getting uh, rear-ended on a pace lap, uh, coming to a caution. You we you can clearly see that there's smoke, there's cars sideways. Might want to slow down, and then all of a sudden you get taken out by a guy running in the back, full steam ahead. I don't know. I don't know how many people they have looking at protests or who's protesting what. I shouldn't say much about that because I've never protested anybody. But, but man, like, drop the hammer on some people. Maybe if they made it somehow easier to protest, that more people would do it. And we'd have better policing. Because it's yeah, a pain just, in the and, butt, you know. That's the whole thing with protesting. You have to have a waiting period and all this crap. All right, let's move on to a big story of the week. And that is... Greg Hill with a development update. Greg Hill is a VP of uh, graphics or something like that. Anyway, uh, he put out a long uh, dissertation here. We're going to read through and 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 tell you guys the what it basically. Said. You want to go paragraph by paragraph? Just pick out. The, yeah, I'll take the first uh, few here. Um, the following tracks have already been announced and are in various states of planning, pre-production, and full production. Alguarve, Misano, Mugello, Pokejo, Ledinon, and Zanvort. We have we mentioned Navarra. Our crew just returned from that trip. Then yeah, so short oval racing yeah, has additions on Slinger Speedway, Winchester Speedway, and Kern on pace for September. Yeah, it looks like Kern County will come with the dirt and the oval track uh, for eleven ninety five. So you're going to get both tracks. Uh, if you purchase uh, Kern County, so that's pretty cool. And that that track's about two and a half hours away from me, so that's um that's exciting to see make its way to the service. Yeah, Dirt Road will be Wheatland slash Lucas Oil Road, and they will be revisiting the UK with the addition of multiple new circuits. We're expanding in new areas of Asia, which where we don't yet have a, a present. Lots okay, of exciting key- projects, both announced and unannounced. Yeah, keyword there, Mike. Multiple. Uh, new circuits for the European side. So can they complete minus Monaco a Formula One calendar? I'll see why not, especially if they're headed to Asia to get the tracks there. 
Um, so coming for September for sure, Circuit Zandvoort and Kern County. Uh, it says beyond new contact, the art department is always doing their best bounce on new and exciting cars and tracks. So they did post a picture of Darlington, a different update to the graphics where you see the sunlight illuminating the grandstands, looks sharper, looks more detailed uh, than we have had in the past. The lighting aspect. They have upgrades to tracks such as Brands Hack, Brands Hatch, Okiyama, and Olton Park, as well as our older NASCAR and Oval tracks. After many delays, we have brought the 3D curb project back online and it is progressing well. Uh, speaking of rain, significant progress has been made these past weeks on the rain project. Track polish and rubbering systems will dramatically affect your line around the track, depending on the conditions and the state of several dynamic, physically-based systems. As iRacers, we will have to approach these tracks that we are so familiar with in a completely different way and with the mindset of a real-world racer facing the adversity of real-world dynamics. Uh, recent investments into art hiring have led to our car track development team doubling in size. The results are discussed to a degree above, but beyond these details, it's just been amazing to merge two veteran industry leading racing game art teams together in what has been a seamless process. Their animation team has also doubled in size. It's kind of cool to see how many people they're adding to their, to their development teams. Um, and, uh, they're going to be working on, um, different animations as far as uh your uh shifting emotive systems which might be like uh you know you might be able to put your hand out the window for for um let people know that you're pitting or that you're upset with them maybe let, let them, them know they're number one this. brian <laughs> yeah that's right who knows it's all up the up in the air that's gonna be a hot button i'm gonna have to program you know <laughs> so um but yeah, so the animations are going to be uh, increased. That could also include uh, include a pit crew um, animations as well. Higher physics engine team has tripled and are working with a determined focus on the future of the great tire model and the evolution needed to keep delivering the most authentic experience possible. Now, this one's interesting. These many SIM systems can only be pushed so far without also seeing into our foundational SIM engine itself. A team has invested the better part of the last year and the next year for sure as well, working through the very core of our code base, overhauling and modernizing the architecture and preparing our many systems to better leverage multi-threading and tasking. You've seen a glimpse of the great results of these efforts will yield with the dramatic load time improvements last season. You'll see more this coming season as the card count is increased substantially uh, unique cars, not the field size, in parentheses. The Oval Refresh has a full team of testers, vehicle dynamic engineers, tire developers, and dynamic track developers collaborating with one another to evaluate the model, find opportunities for improvement, and ultimately create a more realistic and enjoyable experience. Looks like that uh, road racing lacing system will see a significant addition in the near future as they look to improve their experience of racing in um, in with uh, dramatically different characteristics and pitfalls. So um looks like they're going to be revamping the road licensing system, which could be interesting because road has really expanded and, and gone off in a lot of different directions. I'm hoping that's uh they're, they're splitting up the GTs Open. and the, the single seaters, give them their own licensing class. Um, I'm hoping that's the direction they go. 
Michael be happy to hear that the, Michael be happy to hear that the sim UI user interface is being replaced uh, and uh, being continued to be upgraded. It's funny the wording they use on it. Let me read it. Our sim UI is being replaced by a modern and designer friendly UI framework that will transform the in-sim experience. It, it, it's kind of funny that all the effort and time that they put into the beta UI and now they're junking it. Well, maybe they listen to feedback. Who knows? Maybe they realize it's a piece of crap yeah. for the most part and they want to try something different. Which just seems weird that they're modernizing something that he's just added recently. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it shouldn't have been modernized when they put it in oh, a year ago, two years ago, whatever? Uh, there's some mention of the career mode. You already talked about that. And then there's lots of pictures that he put out as well. Uh, the rain pictures are amazing, like the reflection off the the wet pavement. Yeah, I'm curious uh, what's going to happen. Oh, we'll probably have sliders and be able to turn this stuff uh, higher or lower when it comes out. But I'm just curious what our graphic cards will be able to do with the rain. They haven't really spoke about that at all. But, uh, but I'm imagining we'll get some kind of sliders. Now, I did find a forum post about this topic, and Greg Hill had a follow-up to a, a question in the forums. I'm going to read this. He said, our weather system upgrade, which includes rain as one component, is fully dynamic and accurate to real-world weather models and locales. Looking at the forecast both before and during an event will certainly bring an added dimension to the experience. Weather will roll in and out in a fully localized manner. And just because it's raining in the carousel doesn't mean it's also raining at flood plots. We will also provide the ability to completely craft your own weather experience exactly as you would like with a powerful design and keyframing system. So we're still curious on how it's actually, now that gives us a lot of detail on how it's going to work in SIM, but uh, on official series, platforms like how's how's the rain going to affect the racing um are we going to have wednesday night racing uh, affected by rain friday is going to be great sunday morning might have a little bit of weather or are they going to specific uh, pick specific weeks throughout the calendar that's a good point because one guy might be only be able to race on a wednesday night and is it fair to him if it rains on wednesday but it doesn't the rest of the week yeah, and those are just dates I, or days of the week I threw out in general. But that's what I keep thinking about. How are they going to implement it into the official racing? The way they sound like they're going to implement it when you actually get in the sim sounds great. Like forecasting, all that stuff, being prepared. I like it. There were a couple of videos uh, put out as well. Nick Nebon, uh did a video. Um, DJ EJ did a video talking about everything that we just talked about. Uh, so if you want to check those out for more info, uh, those are nice, easy watches curious what the career mode what they're referring to there and what they're the one what they want to achieve do you think it'll be separate from official racing do you think it'll be a different door we go into as opposed to official and a, and hosted do you think it's going to be a different tab no mike it'd be um yeah it could be it said that they to expect deep new systems and ways and and ways to engage with the product with initial fo focus on realistic and engaging career mode that is being built true to the authentic nature of what iRacing and what and real world racing is all about and it's composed of developers who ran racing at high team levels and real world levels so um, that's interesting that they're bringing in 
different combination of real-world drivers and sim drivers. So maybe you earn some kind of currency and then you wreck your car, you got to, I don't know. It would be neat, though, if it was, I was thinking it was AI only, but the way you read it, it almost sounds like it's something they could integrate into official. Yeah, it sounds like AI is coming along where you, you can almost have your own damn console game within iRacing itself, u- utilizing AI. Yeah, you can. You can you can create your own season and series and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, that kind of stuff is already available. So it'd be interesting to see where they go from there. Um, maybe make it a little bit more, um, more console-like. I don't know. It's hard to say when it comes to AI racing. Is it? take the driver to victory lane after the race and you get a certificate for a podium finish and you know, those kind of things, different animations and different things that, you know, that other game, you know, sim racing games may have that I racing seems to just not have. I'll take that certificate, Mike, if I could hang it in a trophy room. Right. That'd be all right. Let's talk firecracker 400 Logan Helton held off Ryan Duchette in the photo finish to win the 2023 Firecracker 400. I watched parts of this. Um, the announcing was annoying. There's too many people on the announcing. You got Parker, and you got Landon, and you got Blake, and you got two other guys, and it's it, it's too much. And and at the end, everyone's just screaming. And yeah. I got that. I noticed it when I was watching um, Tyler, our teammate, his run at it. Uh, a couple weeks ago, um, event looks exciting, Mike, but I was thinking of racecraft watching Tyler splits thinking it's not much different when you spend money on it. I was surprised. I thought you spend the money. They're not spending a whole lot of money, but you're still spending money to race in this event. And the racecraft still wasn't what I expected. Well, well, it's, it's usually worse. It's usually yeah. worse in pay races. Yeah, I have no experience with it. And what I saw from here, I was, a little, you know, disappointed. Yeah, they were all wrecking coming to the to the end. Now, now throughout the race, though, I got to say, though, a lot of times they were two and sometimes even three wide and not wrecking. Um, and so there were a lot of times that they did drive well, uh, even though the end kind of looks like a circus. Yeah, watching the end there, Mike, you're 100% correct there with the announcing. They could probably use some professionalism with that. I don't know. It's a big event, I think. They do it annually. Let's throw uh I don't know. Well, look at the last need- 10 seconds. You got the announcers up in the corner, all three of them screaming and their their mouths are gaped open. Don't they realize that only one person can talk at once? They need the moon car guy. That's what they need. There you go. That that's it. Just him. Well, we have a couple good replays of some of the carnage uh, on the script here. That second tweet down, man, what a pileup that was. Yeah, that was a missed shift from Femi Olat. So, uh, you know, you see that in our races when somebody misses a shift. And apparently it was a pretty pretty common thing during, throughout the entire event. And I think just people are not used to shifting in that 87 car. The, the newer cars are so easy to get in and out of gear that um, I think I think people are just messing up because they're just not used to it. And uh, yeah, it, it bit it bit the, a whole group of people with 20 to go when Femi Olat missed his shift. You're right. I mean, this car is not one you want to run with the auto blip turned off. Um, if you don't have that blip on to help you 
uh, it's really hard to change gears on this car. All right, Brian, how about the track house sim? Yeah, so uh, we all remember uh, Chicago where Shane Van Ginsburg, or Gin- Gisbergen um, won that uh, race in Chicago for uh, Project 91 at uh, track house race. And uh, now they're, sh- they're showing, uh, having an article about the sim that he's running in it. And it's a pretty, pretty intense sim. Um, it's it's really cool. It's all tube tube chassis. It's it's not it's it looks more like a real car um, cage as opposed to like the eighty twenties and stuff, which have a lot of cool functionality as far as uh, um, abilities to uh, put things in different places. But this one looks a, little, a lot more like a real inside of a car with with his cage. Yeah, it's an interview with Darian Grubb, who's a director of competition over there, and. Um, he talks about how important the sim is to uh, track house, how they use it in their regular, you know, week to week, uh, uh, progress, you know, going, you know, getting ready for the races, not only the drivers, but the engineers and the, the crew chiefs as well, trying out setup changes and trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to load on the car for setup before we put it on the truck? Yeah. So this is the GM, uh, simulator. So that's Trackhouse Simulator. I think it, no, um, this is uh, their this? own. They have their own actually. Um, he talks about down in the article about going to the GM Simulator as well. But they use this when because uh, the GM Simulator is only available, you know, a certain amount of times right. per week. Okay, I see it down here. So that one we're seeing in the picture is Trackhouses. I, you're saying, yeah. yeah. So what programs it's, are they using? It's static though. Uh, they're using now. This is an interesting tidbit. They're using uh, R-Factor Pro. They say uh, somewhere in here, I can't find it, but they say that they get the track information from a company out of the UK called uh, uh, R-Factor Pro. And and they're the ones going to the tracks and getting the, the scans or the data. They sell it to the manufacturers, GM, Toyota, and Ford, as well as the teams so they can run these sims. Yeah, yeah here I didn't it is. think it they'd says, have... I was going to read yeah, a quote. It says, a company in England, R-Factor Pro, does the actual scanning of each racing service. surface. All three OEMs within NASCAR, along with NASCAR and Goodyear, go together to get these scans done on every surface we go to. We do priority scans for things like this, where it was a new event, and when other tracks do grinding and repaves like Texas and Darlington, where we try to get a rescan of the patches and things they did. Yeah, I wouldn't think they would have this um, impressive of an in-house sim, to be honest with you. Because we've seen other teams of sims, and it's essentially a, a rig like we have with uh, with iRacing for some of the lower team in-house sims. But this is actually pretty spectacular for for an in, in-house sim. Now, Grit, now, Grub does admit that this is a non-motion sim. It's a static sim. Um, it doesn't move like the GM one does with the motion and all that. But it, it when the driver gets in it, it feels like a real race car, right? It's got his racing seat. It's got the same steering wheel, the same dash, the same everything. Pretty neat article. You wonder if iRacing is ever going to be in a position to provide these kind of services. I think they could be. They can get there. I think they could if they were tasked with it. If they were asked to do it, they could probably do it. All right, Brian, how about cheaters get karma? 
Yeah, another uh, cool video from DJ EJ on YouTube. Um, and this was actually a, a video of a pro truck race where um, the top two finishers were cutting the corners at, um, it was at Phoenix. And they were getting um, a time penalty, but it didn't really, uh, didn't really affect them for, for, and for some whatever reason. So they were, they were exploiting that. But it did mean that they were going to have to uh, serve us a penalty at, before the end of the race. And they didn't do that. So the top two guys who finished like 14 seconds ahead of the third place finisher, uh, when the race was over, the third place finisher found out that um, those guys got disqualified for not serving their penalty at the end of the race. And uh, he, he was really excited. And and uh, DJ says that cheaters get their karma uh, because they, they, they did they didn't get the win in the end, and uh, the third-place guy who, who was not using the exploit took that victory. It's one of those deals where they were cutting the long-sweeping uh, right-hander there just by getting the rights over on the pavement instead of staying on the dirt. Right. And they would get a slowdown, but it, the slowdown didn't matter because they could still go as hard as they wanted up into turn one, and, this, and the, the slowdown penalty would just naturally go away without them really slowing down, meaning it wasn't uh, a long enough penalty or something. So every lap they did, the, the penalty just went away. But what happened on the last lap is they did the same thing, and they had the slowdown, and then they hit the checker. And, of course, they still had the slowdown at the checker, and that's why they lost it. Right, and that, I think that was the key. Right, it was they were making up a lot of speed by getting on the right right side tires on the pavement, and they had a lot better grip there, and were able to get around that corner faster. So you're right. So I think it, I guess it was one of those instances where iRacing set the parameters for the slowdown too high, to where you could still go full speed and it would click down the click down the um, the penalty. All right, I got but, this one. I watched uh, Jet Cars at Pocono. This was earlier today, and we talked about the turn GP series. Uh, they're using the uh, the in, the um, jet car, as I call it, <laughs> the IRO one, uh, and they have a, a neat schedule, which is mostly European road courses. But in the middle of the season, they're going to Pocono as an one oval, one off oval course. And uh, I just tuned in to see what's what's all the hubbub about. I mean. Uh, how do these cars race on oval? And I was pleasantly surprised at the end of this race. Uh, these guys are just mixing it up on the final lap. Uh, they kind of stack up two and three wide going into turn two. And this guy is or into turn three. And the guy in fourth just gets this huge run and just kind of goes around all three of them at once. And he wins the race. Uh, it was quite the move. Yeah, this is week four. They're at Pocono, like you said, Mike. It was great. I I am still a little thrown off with the, the jet car look to it when I'm watching it, but like you said, Mike, it did race really well. Did, did you happen to catch what kind of lap times they were turning at Pocono? What's the cups running? 40, 54, something like that? No, I didn't see that, but... Uh... It had to be in the 30s, right? They were flying. Oh, yeah. And the draft in these things is huge, as I as I just mentioned. You don't want to be leading uh, coming to the checker because the guy's going to slingshot you. All right, Donnie, how about uh, let's review the 24 hours of SPA. Yeah, Racing posted a little stat sheet regarding this past weekend. 
Looks like 9,134 iRacers showed up. I'm driving 2,297 GT3s. They drove almost 4 million miles and completed 904,000, 904, over 900,000 uh, laps. <laughs> uh, none of us ran it. I don't know if any of our teammates ran it, but um, I didn't hear any uh, drama from it this weekend like we did last year. No, no drama that I heard of. Wow, 4 million miles in one event. That's crazy. Looks like a good turnout, too, with with almost 10,000 guys signing up for it. Uh, well, DJ EJ did mention in that video about iRacing having the racecraft problem, saying that there were quite a few cars in this series that didn't make it past the first lap or two because people were just being over-aggressive. In a 24-hour race, it's it's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's a, that's a shame. I mean, 24 hours and we're wrecking on lap one, It's it's got to be super frustrating. But I think we had our your four chances like you do most uh, special events. But still, it's you plan for that one mo- that one race, and then you got to scramble and hopefully get into the next one. All right, and then the 24-hour of Le Mans, um, they got pointed out in the forums that it's going to be next month in the Global Endurance Pure Driving School Series. Uh, the screenshot here shows August 15th, 2023. So this is a, a, going to be a six-week season, right? And all of the races are 24 hours. And they go from Nürburgring to uh, Monza, Indy Road, uh, Spa, Le Mans, and uh, Road, Road America. It's just not the same without all the hubbub and the and the talk ahead of time and the the, you know, get everybody involved i mean this is kind of hush hush and nobody talks about it it's not promoted and so it makes you wonder how many people are going to run i assume you'll get a so we had almost ten thousand run spa and that's a part of the championship that this is a part of that lamar will be a part of um i don't know if if you know i racing can't promote it the way they want to for obvious reasons so maybe the community can step up in some certain way and uh promote it as well i think you'll get Anywhere between five to the same amount for spa sign up for this one. Just because Loma is a big thing and this being the 24 hours, I guess iRacing's unofficial official version of it. Um, I think it'll still be a good turnout. All right. And Donnie, the race for more 2.4. Yep. That's happening, I believe, next weekend, August 3rd. We brought this up several times the last next couple Thursday. weeks. Yep. Uh, so they posted, iRacing posted this week, what do you get when you put the GTPs, GT1s, and the Toyota GR86 on track? They said they don't know, but let's find out. And that'll be for the race for more uh, multiple sclerosis society, their, their charity event they put on uh, every year. This is the third year, I believe. Um, so yeah, so if you watch this event and you donate money, the more money that is donated to this uh, cause, uh, the more items iRacing will... Um, will leak out or, or tease, sort of, I should say. After that big update from Greg Hill, I wonder if they have anything left to talk about. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, man, they're not going to have any spoilers. It's all been done already. But who knows? Maybe he'll put some time dates on some stuff. Who knows? Yeah. Today is my last day for a couple of weeks. I might give this a go. It's August 3rd. Um, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll run it and see what happens. Now, remember... They they point out in the tweet, what do you get when you put GTPs, GT1s, and the Toyota GR86 on the track together? 
I don't know. Let's find out. But we talked about this when they announced it. That Toyota GR86 is going to be a moving chicane out there. If I do run it, it'll be in that car. So it should be exciting. Podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find the podcast. Bitch in the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Check out our Discord and our website at iRacersLounge.com. And we are in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. Fantasy. Yeah, so uh, Pocono this past week for uh, NASCAR. Um, and winning the week and um, was Canadrian. Canadrian, uh, 240 points over Mud Dog in second, North South Racing in third. Now, Canadrian is actually the points leader, overall points leader as well. So he extended his lead and actually has a over 100 point lead over Team Duan after um, after his victory this week. Uh, still looking at uh, man, we didn't do too good, did we? I'm looking to see where any of the Tafosi guys are in this well, week. Justin got eight. Ah, yes. Oh, good for Justin. Good job. Yeah, I didn't set a lineup, and I was immediately crushed when I realized that. I was like a few laps into the race, and I don't even look at fantasy once that weekend. I uh, just pissed off at myself. All right. And then uh, well, what do we like for next week? Richmond. Richmond. So uh, what Kyle Larson won last week, right? Last last time they raced at Richmond. Um, Kurt Busch is probably a good pick, I think. <laughs> Larson won here last time, but Hamlin's really good here. So hopefully that's something we could, we could watch, but... The, yeah, the, that'd be nice. The last four or five races, in my opinion, I, I like racing a certain way. Have been, have been good, and I just hope the the streak keeps on going, builds momentum throughout the summer and into the quote unquote playoffs. Yeah, I want to see Denny and uh, Kyle get into it again and get a rivalry going. What are your thoughts on um, attacking a driver seatbelted and helmeted inside a car? Yeah, I mean, if he's got his helmet on. What, what are you going to do? It's a little embarrassing, but reminded me of Clint Boyer from several years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but if he was a real man, he would wait for the guy to get out of the car and take his helmet off before addressing him. What did I miss? Where was this from? It was uh, Priest and LaJoy. Yeah, oh, Priest went after LaJoy. I didn't even notice yeah. that. Hey, you got to watch it. He uh, runs up to LaJoy's car and basically, he doesn't really attack him. You can see him reach inside the car and maybe grab him or whatever, but... LaJoy still within his and LaJoy um, on his podcast kind of gives his two cents about it. And he kind of replays the event and it's actually pretty good. I would give that a listen as well. Watch the incident and then listen to LaJoy's commentary about it. He's like, right, this guy's pissed. Out. So I put my visor back down. <laughs> so, so he went and I poke me or something. Well, if you in your car, you know, with the headrests and everything, you can't can't even hardly move your arms around you know you can't it's hard to defend yourself even yet alone uh, throw hands when you're sitting in one of those cars seats you know they're so tight you, you just do the danica patrick and hold your hands to your chest and hope for the best living large or strapped for cash it's all good at metro ford chicago metro ford delivers to you whether you're looking for a newer used car we have over 160 vehicles in stock good credit no credit 
doesn't matter. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com or call the owner, Patrick Milligan, 773-983-3166. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Hardware software sponsored by Metro Ford from Chicago. And I'll take the first one because Mike wants 55-inch triples. A video by Obsessed Garage is building a uh, nice cockpit with 55-inch triple monitors. And these triples were the uh, curved 55s. It was like curved to them. Um, I, I think they were I just think this is like the best immersion you can get, um, the way it looks. I mean, even the scale even looks great with the car compared to, you know, where he's sitting in it. I think the scale looks really well here. You know, it's not overblown where the screen looks huge and the car looks too big for what you're sitting in. But the, I don't know, Ed, you know, as you're passing a car, you look to your left, you're, you're looking right at maybe your left side. fives as well um and, and and he can't say enough about them and then when i see him on this build i'm like man that just looks awesome you 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 put in it looks like a track racer uh triple monitor mount that's holding them up and he just sets the cockpit in front of it you know they're not attached um the spacing works out pretty good now this video is is a great watch I've talked about this guy a bunch. His name is Chandler Welling. He he runs a company called Podium One uh, out of Nashville. And he basically puts together these high-end rigs and resells them to people. Um, and he, he's been doing a lot of business. I follow him on Instagram. But anyway, this is a build he did for this guy called Obsessed Garage on YouTube. And he had this big room. It was all wood and it was really... Uh, ringing and echoey and they ended up putting sound absorption panels on the walls and the ceiling 
as part of the uh, treatment uh, and, and created this nice little sim room with the triple 55s. He put nice theater seats in the back of the room so people can sit there and watch. Uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty neat setup. Mike, did I, did I, when I was watching this video, didn't this guy say he actually rents this out? Like this whole house rents with the simulator in it. I thought I saw saw that as part of the video. I think this is like a, a an attraction to rent this prop, rent this uh this house or whatever he's got. Right. This is just one room in the house, and in it, it the garage. Uh, you know, the title of his YouTube channel is Obsessed Garage, and so you wait till you see the garage. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty cool. I mean, he basically paid this guy. You know. I think this rig goes for thirty six thousand is what he's selling it for. Um, I looked up the triples that he's using here. Uh, they were about thirty two hundred each. No, three thousand each, and then I figured uh, another five hundred for the stand and then shipping. So I figured the whole project can be you know ten thousand dollars. Mike, I think um, I think Will Will Ford has uh, sixty fives, not fifty fives. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's got six. But I don't know. I always thought 27 is a the smallest you'd want, but you know, 32 is appealing. But maybe something even bigger like these. These are 55s, 43s maybe. And, and can I find a 55 curve that's not three thousand dollars each? You know. Right. That's the problem because it's hard to find like that kind of resolution, monitor resolution in that big a screen. That's that's somewhat affordable. All right, Donnie, how about the lovely dashboard? Sense of speed reviews the best da sim dashboard ever, according to him. The lovely dashboard. Um, it's a nice-looking dashboard. The video is a little... Um, his voice and the music kind of throw you off until you get into it. Uh, but the dashboard looks nice. He, um, he shows a nice video of himself, kind of like a Dave Cam style, where he's got a GoPro on and he... You're watching the, the, the video, the sim, through his, his eyes, essentially. He's got the dash mounted above his wheel, but uh, he says it's uh, seamless and flawless, and he would recommend it. He likes it. It's the right price. It's free. It's available on GitHub to download. And, you know, for a free dash, you know, this is a great option. Now, you know, I end up paying for Joel Real Timing for a, a variety of reasons, and, you know, I get the dash as a, as a perk, you know, on top of that. So I don't need a dash because I got one through that. Yeah, the voice in the video sounds like a modulated horror movie. Or he sounds like he's like some slasher killer. It's a little odd, the video, yeah. I like the video. I like the style of it. I and mean, he almost plays a, like a little... It's a, done differently than most sim racing videos out there, but I just like the perspective of these ones the best, kind of like how Dave does them. All right, Brian, the Sim Lab Pro Sim Racing Cockpit. Yeah, uh, so SimLab has uh, opened pre-orders for a bunch of cockpits. The GT1 Pro Sim Racing Cockpit, the GT Lite Pro, which is a co compact, um, affordable uh, sim. But really the star of the show is the Pit Lane Sim Racing FRS Cockpit, which is a formula racing simulator. It's a it's a monocle, just like uh, you would see in a, in a real... Um, 
Formula One style car, and uh, it's it's really cool. Um, so if if you're looking for something that has that um, that monocle look, it's not it's it's not completely full size. It goes from you know just a little bit behind the the uh, driver's seat to up where the uh, front of the front of the wing would be, but uh, really cool looking. And uh, you know it's, it's kind of interesting. I'd like to see how you would mount your hardware in there and get everything set because it doesn't look like it comes with anything as far as hardware goes and how, how the mounts are. Uh, to be clear, the uh, cockpit thing you're talking about, the Formula car one is through Moza. He actually talks about three different cockpits of three different companies. So the, the one, one you referred to. I'll take the next one, Mike. Yeah, it looks like we lost Mike. Did we lose Mike? But, um, yeah. So it is, you're, I stand corrected. It is, that one's the Moza one. It's uh, showing... Uh, you can get the Moza wrap for uh, nine hundred bucks, but the uh, actual uh, the the um, actual seat itself is uh, running at fifty three hundred and fifty dollars. So not cheap, but but really cool if you can afford it and you like that kind of kind of that racing. That same video there, Brian. At the end, they talk about um, uh, Ren Sport, that European um, sim counter to iRacing. They've got a new car, the Porsche um, something. So it looks like that sim's still going, and it looks like it was uh, shown off at Goodwood. Yeah, so that's cool. Um, so this was from the Sim Racing Sim Racing News uh, from the Sim Racing Den. It's the, the YouTube channel, um, and it, and it really has just a lot a lot of news in it. But uh, but the but the Sim Lab uh, cockpit and the and the Moza Formula cockpit are really cool. All right, for this next, Brian, have you, have you watched the video? I watched part of it. Um, th- this guy it's really... This, it's the same guy from above, the sense of speed. But once you hit play, the sense of his videos kicks you right away where it gives me that... Uh, it's just a different feel. I don't know. I'm, I apologize. I was actually watching this while you guys were discussing the one above it, and I got a little, little excited. But he's just going over what he calls his very impressive custom rig. He also says words differently, but he's, I think it's an American accent. I'm pretty sure it is, but um, it's entertaining. He might've earned a, a subscriber here, but um, pretty interesting. Yeah, he, he goes around and shows you different custom, uh, custom things that he used to build this rig. It kind of has like an 80, 20 base to it, but it's been tricked out quite a bit with, with some different cockpit things. He's got a, uh, um, uh, a swinging door to it that with uh, the roll bars in it that, that he custom made using uh, PVC pipe, but it actually looks pretty convincing as as real um, real uh, roll bar cage. Um, so really cool how he um, how he built this custom thing to make it look like you're actually in a car. It has a roof to it and everything. So um, that was a sense of speed YouTube channel. He's got 370 subscribers. I I don't know. I I'm just taken back by how different the channel is and the videos have been compared to the, the usual uh, sim racing channels and reviewers we've seen, but uh, it kind of has his own little style to it. I, I find it entertaining. Maybe it needs a the sim racing YouTube space needs a little rejuvenation. like his uh, video where he shows about how he makes the dash components. Like he basically makes wood cutouts and then he puts this black, you know, uh, carbon fiber stuff on it yeah alcantara yeah 
and he just, and it's all you know and he's got like a fire extinguisher kind of over on the right where it makes it look like a real car you know lots of neat ideas if you're looking for ideas on what to do to your cockpit this is a great video yeah and he, and he gives prices how much he spent on different things you know he didn't didn't spend a ton of money but it was like a lot you can tell he's put a lot of time into it a lot of ingenuity uh and he, and he kind of shares some of the information what he did it's really cool all right i'll take this I was going to say, this one looks to be right up your backside here, Mike. Oh, yeah. Base Shaker Safety. Uh, our One of our listeners, Trauma Team Racing, shows on his YouTube video channel how to safely mount base shakers to a bucket seat. Now, he did three of them. He did one on the back of the seat and then one on the left and one on the right. And uh, he, he basically walks through exactly how he did it. Uh, how he drilled the holes and how he mounted them and this and that. And so uh, if you're looking for a walkthrough, this is a great video. Uh, you know, we talked about last week, Donnie, how you like uh, the shakers maybe on four four corners. But, man, I, I told you how much I like the one underneath my butt. This is not a bad idea to have one on, uh, you know, the left and the right of the chair and the one on the back of the chair or the bottom of the chair. Uh, I think with it being all attached to the seat, you'd get you'd feel a ton. Now, is there three or four units? Does he have one under and one behind? Yeah, I'm not sure if I noticed that, but I, I thought there were three. He's got one directly underneath it. I think he might have four attached to it. Yeah, yeah maybe he it is four. He's got one underneath where you have it, right underneath that area, and then one lower back, lumbar, and then two on the side. Yeah, and he's using like a transducer like you get off of Amazon, not like a true butt kicker. And so those are a little bit probably easier to mount than a butt kicker because they're not as big. Is it? Good, good, Don. Again, not knowing anything about haptics, is is it the same thing as a butt kicker? Just not, it's not a butt kicker. It's not labeled a butt kicker. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a base trans, transducer. Um, that's, uh, you know, they, they use them for like theater seating and stuff like that. Um, but it's just not the butt kicker brand and you probably have to get your own um, amplifiers and stuff to make it work. Right. But yeah, it's, it's just a, a version of it. Whereas butt kicker is kind of like an all in one package deal. Lots of neat little tips. Like he put masking tape on the plastic of the chair before drilling it to try to prevent it from cracking. That's good. Yeah. Now this is, um, this this YouTuber, uh, um, Trauma Team Racing, this is the guys who are like uh, real trauma t team doctors, right? Yeah, he's a real doctor, apparently. Yeah, yeah. We've done videos with him where he's he's going over some of the um, some of the stuff about uh, about sim racing and, and different ways to keep your body in the right position, you know, stuff like that that a doctor would be really good explaining to you. Now, he has a Sparco Evo seat, really nice, but he also details out how to remove the, the cover, the padding, so you can get to, to drill it, um, which I've always been hesitant to peel off all the padding on my, my chair. But uh, when you see him do it and see him put it back together, I guess that gives you some confidence to try it. All right, Donnie, how about some league software? Yeah, Extreme Scoring has what they call the best uh, scoring and paint uh, gathers you can use for your leagues on their website now i'm not sure what leagues use for what but um 
but they like to claim that they have the most comprehensive league management system available today, and that's extreme scoring. I'm cruising their website right now, and uh, just looking at some of their interfaces, looks looks pretty good. They have uh, video tutorials as well to to help you out with it. I've always um, been fascinated with how people manage their leagues and how they keep everything together, and I don't know. I like it. I wish uh, in my retired life in the future I could potentially help out with the league and, and help do it because it's uh, kind of right up my alley on organization and and um, all that kind of fun stuff. Now, the, the company that usually offers the league software to most iRacers is, was a, originally known as danandlisa.com. Uh, they were uh, they retired or were bought out by Sim Racer Hub. So simracerhub.com is the de facto uh, place to manage your league scoring. Uh, but this is like a competitor to that is the way I see that. This is an alternative. Uh, extreme scoring, uh, you know, is an alternative to that. And so, yeah, I mean, if you're a league owner, you might want to check this out. I'm going to take this one. Lawrence from Sim Coaches reviews the SimuCube wheel bases. Great little video. He discusses why he picks SimuCube over any other brand. Uh, basically, uh, durability. He's never, ever, not even once had a problem with a SimuCube. And so that's the reason he basically picks those. Um, they, they work. He talks about the differences between the three the sport, the pro, and the ultimate. Um, on his better rigs, the more expensive ones, he uses the pro. On the cheaper rig, he uses the sport. Another thing I liked about how he, he differentiates between the sport and the pro and the ultimate is the, the weight of the wheel itself that you're going to attach to it. Um, and he almost, I don't know, every video I watch of his, he kind of doesn't dismiss the ultimate, but says it's kind of unnecessary to what what we do. There isn't a wheel heavy enough to need the ultimate. And it doesn't it only adds a couple newton meters to the overall power compared to the pro. So even talking to him in person and even the videos, he he would always recommend the pro if you could get that over the sport. Yeah, that's kind of why I ended up picking the pro. Um my research told me the twenty five newton meters is more than enough for anything I'm gonna be doing. Yeah, I never heard anybody else talk about the weight of the wheel affecting your your direct drive base. I'm sure other guys have mentioned it, but he's the only one I really hear it from. Um, so I don't even take that into the consideration, honestly. I, I bought the Pro event uh, um, anyway, but I, I went with my Gomez wheel. The Gomez wheel is pretty heavy. So I'm curious how that would work on a sport. I'm, I'm assuming it wouldn't really affect it too much. Yeah, and my wheels have the 5-inch spacer from Amazon as well, which certainly adds to the weight. Anyway, if you're in the market for a SimiCube, uh, great video to to watch to get some insight between the different models. Ryan, how about Next Level Racing GT Lite Pro? All right, so yeah, this is a review done by Busa Media, Will Ford there. Um, and the GT Lite Pro is a um, tubular style cockpit that folds up and you can put away. So um, Will did a did a, a review on this. He used when he when he installed it, he used the um, Fanatec uh, CSL DD direct drive. You know the smaller DD um, uh, wheelbase and pedals from Fanatec. Um, his conclusions basically were that you know this this, this is a, this is a um a system of compromises <laughs> so um 
basically, you know, if if the space you need to race in is a primary concern, that you need a fold up type of rig that can you can stow out of the way and clean up your area. This would be something that worth checking into. But if it's but if you have a place and and also it's it's better than uh office chair something where you have rolling you know your pedals can slide or your chair can roll out it's better than that as well but if if you have have a, a space to have a dedicated cockpit even if it's just an introductory one probably not the best one to use um it's it's fairly light a lot of flex uh, wheelbase uh can rotate because you're putting a flat base onto a round tube and it's just held on with a with a torque screw. You know, you tighten a tight screw to the to the tube and it just creates a lot of movement. So um, not the best best rig if if you're um, if you have the room for one that's more stationary, that's a little sturdier. And and um, that was basically his his uh, conclusion with it. So yeah again if if if, comp- if space is a primary concern you want to be able to have something that you can fold up and get out of the way something you might want to consider this is the gt light pro you would think that they could do better with the flex on that steering wheel uh, plate i mean the amount of flex i see when he jerks that wheel about is uh, extreme to be honest um you think they could do better i'm surprised you to bolt the direct drive to this um and not worry about it flipping flopping all over the place but uh yeah i mean this is for in my opinion an entry level potentially if like brian saying your space is very limited um yeah i don't have much to say about it yeah again uh, i would stress um introductory or 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 um in, you know, first your first rig. You're not. You know, you might not have want to spend a whole lot on something you're not sure about. You might have issues with space to put it in. Maybe something you want to consider. Um, but again, there are there are stationary rigs that don't fold up that are a little bit more solid in the same price range. So that's what he was saying as far as you know. Maybe maybe not if you have the space for a dedicated rig. This probably wouldn't be the best thing for you. And then finally, we have a VPG surprise on Instagram. VPG Sim has uh, teased their newest wheel. And it says, feel the mystery, embrace the future. Behold, the upcoming revolution in sim racing. We're thrilled to introduce to you the enigmatic VPGT, a high-end steering wheel that blends real carbon fiber with automotive-grade electronics and 97 independent RGB LEDs. 97? Where are all those lights? You know, they you don't really get to see the wheel too much because they have a, a graphic over the top of the wheel. I guess it's a sneak peek or a, a tease. But I'm on their Instagram. You scroll down, and they've got some decent-looking wheels here. And I'm curious on what this wheel offers because it doesn't look as good as the ones they already have. Well, the VPG is known for that beautiful wheel that has a vertical display in the wheel um, that's quite different than any other uh, high-end wheel out there with a the display uh, almost every other well every other wheel a manufacturer i know does a a horizontal display but they did a vertical and it was quite stunning even though i don't even see that on their instagram page right now when i go look yeah i didn't see it either but they do have some very good wheels at VPG, so uh, interesting to see what this one 
comes out as it, it looks like it's a non-display wheel, uh, which is, and you know, most of their wheels have display, so this will be a little different for them. All right, we're going to jump to results. The NASCAR iRacing Series, Pocono, Justin, Pearson, T1, he wins it. Started P31, took a 4X with two minutes of damage within 10 laps. After that, just kept climbing. I would pass a couple cars every stint, took the lead 30 to go, and kept it. First race I ran with no mistake. Well done, Justin. David Hall wrecked out. Caution fest, and on a restart, the same dumb Fs, drive bomb, turn one, and it can't hold it, caused the big one. Donnie wrecked out. D and Q. Yeah, this one was, I don't know, following the lines of New Hampshire. It was, uh, I qualified P2. I built a decent qualifying setup for myself. Um, ran up front, did a different strategy. Well, no, it was for Sunday. But, uh, I got spun on the front stretch, held my brakes, I was perpendicular to the track, and all of a sudden, five, six seconds later, I just get absolutely T-boned, wiped out, and um, nothing on the radio. I don't expect it, to be honest, I don't go on the radio either, but, and the guy just leaves. I go back and watch the replay from his view, and he had visual of me for a solid, maybe three seconds, and he just, I don't know, took me out. Not on, I don't know, just not paying attention. Not slowing down for the wreck ahead, but yeah, wrecked out Friday night. Right, and I got a P6. What a run for me um, after having two or three weeks of just bad runs. Um, finally, I get a result uh, and get some points. But uh, P6, I'll take it. Justin was in my race. It was great to see him win. Uh, he, he just, like he said, he, he uh, just kind of marched his way up there he stayed out of trouble even though there was trouble all around so well done all right saturday fix justin ran p17 not much to say just couldn't stay out of anything my car broke the last 10 laps but kept getting cautions kept me on the lead lap luckily a high strength of field still had plus ir um dryling sunday open p26 i screwed up five to go top 10 I thought I had enough room and moved up. I did not and crashed. David Hall got loose and took myself out. Donnie, P12. Yeah, it was much better. Um, I had top five speed all race. It was great. Uh, my strategy flipped from Friday night. I stayed out regardless of what was happening. I just wanted to be in front of the mayhem. So I stayed out um, all the way till I absolutely needed fuel. We had enough cautions, just drove around and whatnot. But uh, uh, cruising, I think, in fourth place and P2 and P3 ahead of me kind of bounce off each other. I had clipped them, and these cars are such tanks I always hear about, um, but I got a meatball for clipping a guy on the right side. I don't know if it was uh, net coat or what. I ended up pitting, got my lap back, but ended up finishing P12. But I had good speed, just uh, need to avoid the ding-dongs. Hey, let some laps, how about that? Yeah, leading laps is always fun. Restarts are a little stressful until you get used to it, that's for sure. All right, let's move on to Richmond. Wins the open. I ran and I wrecked out. A different track, it was a different week, but the same results. I can't miss anything. At the end, I got tagged with five to go and 20X with eight minutes required. I uh, couldn't finish the race. Justin, wrecked out by lap 20. I mean, 
he got into three different incidents before lap 20 and he was out of the race by then. Chris uh, Waldron ran with us P20. Started with a 98 lap green flag run. Hit it on lap 97 while fifth uh, to go two laps down. Took the wave around, did not have time to catch the back of the pack and somehow passed a car under caution that came out of the pit with black flag and four laps down the remainder of the race. It's hogwash iRacing. Tom yeah, they need Riley. To... Oh. I was going to say, they need to fix their penalty system when it comes to that stuff, but looks like yeah. he got the, the, the iRacing bone job there. Yeah, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. If you're taking a wave around and they and the guy's coming out of pit road, you have to stop and let that guy go. Tom Dryling, his computer froze up on him. So he finished several laps down. He ended up taking the point lead by one point over me with his finish when I finished, I think, 27th because I DNF. You got to take advantage of his uh, parts malfunctions, Mike. I did. And I did today, Thursday open at Richmond. P3. I actually led a bunch of laps, had a really good race going on. Um, with about 20 to go, I pitted for tires. Um, some of the guys stayed out. I got back to second and ended up finishing third. I wish I would have stayed out. Uh, the guy who won stayed out. But uh, I'll take it. You know, finally, after all the crappy weeks of uh, subpar finishes, you know, minus my P6 at Pocono, uh, I get a podium finish. Uh, real happy for it, but kind of dismayed that I let that win get away from me. Uh, if I stayed out, I probably would have got it, but I was chicken shit. I was like, you know what? I need the points. I got it. I, I need a top five more than I need a win. And so I thought getting tires would be safe because. We had some 80 laps on those tires. And and um, the reason the guy with the old tires wanted out on me, over me with new tires was he could always get a nice start on the start and just get away. Uh, you you know, and track position's king at the end of these restarts. And even though it was a green-white checker, I couldn't quite get, get to him. And I was trying too hard and I actually fell out of second and fell to third because of it. All right. Uh, I also ran this week ARCA at Iowa, P10 and then P15. Now this was my response to uh, losing my uh, A license and losing and potentially about to lose my B license. I was down to a B 1.3. And I thought, well, I got to get this up before Richmond uh, so I don't fall down to a C. And so I ran a couple races at Iowa uh, and gained a, a bunch of SR. I think I got it back to a B 2.3 seven or something uh, and now I'm up to a B3 something so I'm on the right track bringing it back to A uh, but that ARCA definitely paid off and I lost about a hundred I rating by doing that but I was kind of more concerned about the license than I was the I rating all right let's talk OBRL Cup Brian P24 yeah so uh, we were at Pocono this past Sunday night um, started P9 and I, I, I clipped the wall coming out of turn three and, and did a little bit of damage and it seemed to slow me up just enough that I you know was losing some time so um, didn't bring out a caution or anything um, there was an earlier caution and this happened just after that but I couldn't get any I, you know, I didn't want a pit to fix it I was hoping for a caution but one never came out so 
I didn't get a chance to get back into the pit stalls until um, green flag pit stops, which was around lap 40 or so. Um, so, uh, yeah, by then I was pretty far back and just kind of like cruised around to the end of the race. So uh, not a great finish. I think it was like 30, mid-30 part car count. So it was a pretty decent field. Good Donnie, B12. Yeah, I think we had 40 cars uh, there, Brian. Maybe 39. Uh, uh, being a th- uh, they call it a three-digit number. If you're a rookie, you uh, you don't get to qualify. And this was my first race with them. Um, and honestly, one of the best experiences I've had in a long time. Now, you do. there are things you have to get used to uh, running the fixed setup. I haven't run a fixed setup race in two or three years um, since I started, really. Um, but you just got to get used to it. Got to get used to uh, how to run that style of racing. But ended up finishing P12. I think I started 32nd. But um, but it was great, man. Long green flag run, green flag pit stops. We had our one caution at the beginning of the race. Um, just such a nice change of pace and uh, kind of a breath of fresh air in regards to the sim and in in your enjoyment of it yeah that's a that's a really good finish donnie especially you know with one caution in the whole race so um and you started all the way in the back um so really good finish for you i uh, really really think you did a great job there um and and the cool thing is you know you're going to see the same people next week and the week after as if, if you um if you stay around and um you know, you'll get used to different races and who's who's who you should be driving with a certain way, and uh, you know you always you'll always have those same guys around for the most part, where you get to learn them, and it's it, it feels a little bit more to me anyway, like um, you know a series like NASCAR. You're racing the same guys every week, just like you do on NASCAR. You know, when you're in open, you never know who you're going to get you're going to be stuck with and you don't know how they race and stuff like that so uh it was really good having you out there and you did an awesome job yeah no i appreciate it it was a lot of fun i was most nervous about the incident point count and affecting somebody's race uh ended up zero x uh, and then that fear kind of went away early on you could just run your race um you just knew it was going to be cleaner you just felt like you weren't going to get dive bombed at any given point um it's just great i wasn't going to run richmond uh, because of that, but I'm off for a couple weeks. I don't have to go to work Monday, so I'm I'm gonna run Richmond as well this week if granted slots are available. And um, yeah, hopefully enjoy it again. I'm definitely running Richmond tomorrow night, going for a win after my P3 today. Uh, I think the trick for me is not to pit late in the race. Uh, stay out on old tires. That's the trick. Final thoughts, Brian McCuff. Um, so if you remember like about three, four weeks ago, I was having an issue where, um, the game was crashing, the, the sim was crashing while I was in the race and I wound up dumping iRacing and reinstalling it. Well, guess what? I was in practice. I was in practice for the Pocono race at OBRL and twice it did it to me again. So, um, I'm, I'm fairly certain now that I got it, um, narrowed down to an issue with my steam vr um app i think that's what's causing the problem because uh when i'm in vr you know i'm racing and then it'll just flash to the uh the vr screen and i don't think it's iRacing i think it was i think it might have been steam vr so i dumped steam and steam vr and reloaded all that stuff and hopefully that takes takes care of it it's it's so unnerving when you're racing or when you're in a race like we were in sunday night and you're just praying 
that you don't you know you don't crash the game doesn't crash not you but the game doesn't crash it's, it's not a good feeling and uh hopefully that took care of it we'll i'll keep you posted <laughs> right donnie spiker final thought uh, not much yeah, i noticed brian you left a couple times and i thought uh oh i hope he gets to run but you were able to run the race um not much i haven't turned any laps at richmond i'll be doing that tonight for practice uh for tomorrow night's nis race and sunday morning I uh, spent time at Willow Springs this week. This was my first um, time on the track in the sim, uh, building the GT4 set. We have a race there in the GT4 series in a couple weeks. Uh, give OBRL another shot this weekend. And I have an internet project this week. I'm getting fiber on Tuesday, and I bought a bunch of switches. Not Nintendo switches, but Ethernet switches that I'm going to throw out throughout the house and get everything hardwired into the gigabyte of fiber I'm going to have installed on on Tuesday, so I'm super pumped for that. Hell yeah. That's not... All right, my final thoughts. Uh, loving the new Max Pappas wheel. Uh, I can't say what a pleasure it is to drive with. Um, love the look of it, and no regrets, really no regrets. Loving it. Uh, my new friend, John Zimmerman, who uh, came over to try iRacing for the first time at my house, uh, texted me some uh, updates this week where he has actually bought his Sim Lab P1X. He's got it put together. Uh, he's got the wheel. He's got a SimiCube Pro on it. Um, he, and he was asking me about the seat slider and how to mount it. And and we had a good conversation about the distance from the wheel to the seat to the pedals all have to be just right and how many, many, many times I've had to adjust after the fact uh, those three things to get them in place where I wanted them. Uh, so tried to give him some tips where he can uh, maybe bypass some of that pain uh, by learning, you know, from what I've done. I sent him some close-up pictures of my rig and how things line up, uh, you know, as far as how far back are the pedal faces from the, from the steering wheel base, you know, those kind of things. So pretty cool uh, to see that coming along, that project. Um, and then TMI, you know, I did get a surgery on Monday. Uh, cataract, my left eye, has actually been, uh, well, technically blind for the last three to four years in my left eye. Just a cloud. Uh, you, you hold up three or four fingers in, my, in front of it, I wouldn't be able to tell you how many fingers it was. That's how bad it was. So I got that fixed on Monday. No problems. It went very well. Uh, racing with two eyes is different. It's been a long time since I've done it. And uh, the depth perception is back. Let's just say that. Have your incident so, points decreased since your eye surgery? Well, based on Wednesday, no. But based on Thursday, yes. So I don't know if, if you can attribute that to my, my uh, second eye. Um, but maybe. Uh, the, the other thing that's happened this week is uh, Sunday, uh, my wife got COVID. And um, I've been taking care of her like she's been isolating, but I had to bring her food and drinks and stuff. And sure enough, uh, I got I tested with it on Wednesday and got COVID. So I have COVID right now. Um, took some time off work. Probably not going back till Monday. Um, it hasn't affected me much as long as I'm taking Advil and I seem to be okay. But, uh, yeah, for me to get a P3 while I have COVID, uh, hell yeah. I was thinking about skipping the race, but Tony was like, screw it, you can race with COVID, it's just Richmond. 
All right. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track. What? listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.